0: obviously we love the Beatles we're Abbey Road on the River we're a Beatles festival we're there for them because we love them but I really enjoy hearing about all of the people that were in their orbit that they have their own interesting stories that you don't really hear about because it gets overshadowed because the Beatles are so big you know the four of them are so huge that you sometimes it gets lost even though very very important people were in their orbit making things happen
1: you're listening to something will happen a podcast about the largest beatles music festival in north america abbey road on the river it takes place every memorial day weekend in jeffersonville indiana if you're a music fan of any kind you gotta come we have up to six stages playing music all day long by almost 50 beatles and classic rock tribute bands food trucks and drinks awesome art installations merchandise and art vendors and a playground for kids Whether you're new to Abbey Road on the River or you're a festival regular, you'll find something you love. This is Something Will Happen. Something Will Happen at Abbey Road on the River. Come join us.
0: Hello, everyone. It's Emily here this time. I'm here with Melissa. We're going to do another Beatles story for you. Um, Hi, Melissa. How are you?
1: Hey there. I'm doing great. How are you doing?
0: Awesome. I'm good. I'm excited getting things ramped up for Abbey Road this year. Yeah.
1: I'm excited to be on the podcast today. (laughs) (laughs) Like I am every day. (laughs) (laughs) Just live here. Just live. I live on this. Live in the podcast. Mm -hmm. Live in the festival year round.
0: (laughs) So I hear you have a story for us about a maybe lesser known figure in Beatles history.
1: I do. I have... Uh, I have the best story (laughs) (laughs) so-called and it's about the best family which many people probably know some of this story but I think this is like a fascinating you know how I love all the like little things that led to the Beatles becoming the Beatles so here's another like like,
0: synchronicities mm,
1: that add up
0: to this one big thing
1: yeah so I'm always interested in all the little all the people who helped the Beatles and all the little things that happened to make them um, successful and who we know them as today. So, um, and one of those uh, people who helped them was Mona Best, who um, she was mother to Pete Best, who was the Beatles' first drummer.
0: Mm-hmm, the and, original drummer before yes, Ringo. Yes, the
1: original drummer before Ringo. And she owned the Cosba Club where the Beatles kind of got their start they did um they played there as a quarry men, and they played the last show there ever before um it closed down so oh. um, yeah so it's kind of cool how she um she kind of guided them in this way and like allowed them this outlet and um she was a big advocate for them she kind of you know Try to get them their show. Like she got them their first show at the Cavern Club, and um, yeah, kind of worked with Brian to like help them, you know, get 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 to where they are, you know, and um, I so she's that. just really cool. Yeah, she just seems seems really cool. Like I wish yeah, I could really meet cool her. <laughs> and
0: supportive. Yeah. Yeah. Moms usually are the biggest fans.
1: Yes. Exactly. <laughs> so, so today we're going to talk about Mona Best and also pete best and also the beatles (laughs) because they're all related so mona was so it's interesting because she was in uh lived in india and um she married her husband john best in india and actually pete best was born in india before they decided to move back to um liverpool where john best was from Mm -hmm. and um So it's kind of interesting. And actually Pete wasn't even Pete. Oh my gosh. So this is like, you know, world war two type of story where Mona was um, Pete's father actually died in world war two. John was not Pete's dad. So it was like, um, but that happened a lot in world war two where people, you know, went to war and then they got remarried after. And I think, you know, that was just more normalized and, um, Mm-hmm. yeah so then they had um I, i'm going way way back so anyway <laughs> so when pete we'll was learn born all the details yes, and then um uh johnny i guess his nickname you know he was johnny best was um johnny and mona had rory best also in india and then they moved back to liverpool
0: okay. um
1: and so but they kind of moved around from house to house when they were in liverpool and it was a big um a big move for her like living her whole life in India to coming to Liverpool. And, um, she also had a lot of help. And like she there's... was from
0: India, like born in India,
1: born in India to, um, English, Irish parents. Okay. So, yeah. Cause you so... said
0: John was originally from Liverpool and moved to India.
1: He was, but he was, um, there for the war. I'm not sure why he was there. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't dig that deep, <laughs> but I assume he was like stationed there and that's how they met.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I should have done more research, an, but I would <laughs> yeah,
0: I think that's enough context.
1: <laughs> so anyway, because <laughs> I was very more interested in the Cosmic Club than any of that other stuff. Oh, yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. But they um,
0: interesting once they get to Liverpool.
1: Right. <laughs> but she had a really difficult time, like, acclimating, and um, I think her in-laws didn't really like her or accept her into the family. So Aww. they were, they were living with her in-laws and they were moving around a lot. And she was just, and she was used to having her family around and more help um, with the kids in India. And then she was on her own in Liverpool because, <laughs> because her in-laws didn't really like her, um, which kind of yeah. sucks, but she be that's... sad, like a yeah. big
0: culture shock and feeling oh very isolated. That De-
1: definitely yes and um, so she got kind of fed up with having to live off of her husband and kind of doing everything that he said and like relying on his money and everything Mm -hmm. so um, and doing what yeah like living by his decisions so um, she decided in 1954 that she was going to um, pawn all her jewelry and gamble on a horse (laughs) (laughs) She put all her money into this, uh, horse race on a horse called never say die. And, and she, and she won. So she got like all this money and, um, she ended up, it was like Rory was in school and he walked past this house and he told his mom about this Victorian house that was up for sale. Um, and it was owned by the Westerby conservative club. And it had fifteen bedrooms on an acre of land, and it was overgrown. And it was like a, kind of crappy and like not really well taken care of. And mm. her husband did not want her to buy it, and she bought it anyway because well, she one had down, money but with potential, as yeah.
0: she should. We don't need to listen to everything men tell us. Yes, <laughs>
1: <laughs> especially now. But um, oh, yeah, so. And then, yeah. Lona was proving it then. she, Yeah, dude, she was her own person. She was like, I'm taking control. And lucky on her that that horse won. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so, yeah. So um, in order to, you know, so it had 15 rooms. And so she would take on boarders to kind of help pay for for it. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, two years after she bought it, she was inspired to open a club because she watched a TV report about a coffee club in Soho in London uh, where some singers had been discovered. So um, her husband also didn't want her to do that, but she opened the Cosba Coffee Club on August 29th, 1959 for young people to meet and listen to popular music. And so she just had this like little record player that would just play like records it had a three inch speaker and that's like how this thing started
0: (laughs) that's so cute yeah when you talked about all like the rooms and stuff i thought Mm -hmm. that she was gonna maybe like turn it into like a bed and breakfast or something like that i love that she's like no i want it to be like cool i want it yeah to be music and interesting she had a vision that apparently no one else (laughs) no one else shared or supported
1: no yeah i know and she did it anyway so that's pretty cool so they like i think the um yeah so the basement was like a coal center coal yeah coal cellar sorry so okay yeah so it was like really low ceiling like um like dank like cold wet like not wet but just like you know, like not very hospitable to have people like hang out there. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, she was like renovating it. And all these kids got, um, got involved and wanted to help her and help paint it. And she like, you know, they just all thought this was the greatest idea. So, um, a lot of people came and helped decorate it and paint it. And, um, and then she, decided to have um, an annual membership and so you'd had to be a member of the club to get in and she would serve you know drinks and snacks and cakes and coffee Um, and she had like one of the first espresso machines that no other club had at the time so that was also very very exciting Fancy, (laughs) yeah very fancy
0: I also love the idea of the kids like volunteering to come help because yes I feel like there's not Usually, cool spaces like even now, sometimes it's very mm-hmm. hard to find like cool spaces for underage, like
1: for kids to hang out exactly. Yeah, they're never they is. Were,
0: they, like they saw it and were like, Yeah, let's help mm-hmm. create this, like, and kind of made it their own, too. Right, yeah, I like that.
1: Yeah, so she saw the potential in this, and um, and you know, her kids were growing up too, so they were kind of that they were that age, and she was realizing, I think, that they needed a place to hang out and she had this space so Mm -hmm. make it it there Mm -hmm. and um she saw the demand mm -hmm, yeah uh so the first band that was booked was called the Les steward quartet and it had george harrison in it but um and ken brown who was um who we'll talk about later um but this booking was canceled because two members of this band got mad (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they got into a fight because Ken Brown missed a rehearsal in order to decorate the club that they were going to play in. So it's like a round weird thing that, like, you know, like that they got into this fight because he missed a rehearsal in order to make the club better that they were going to play in. <laughs> Just
0: like, yeah, I feel like of the reasons to miss a rehearsal, like you shouldn't miss, but it's okay. yeah, but it's like he was trying to further their, you know, like he was trying to make it better for them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that was good news for the Quarrymen because George Harrison, who was in that band, suggested his friend's band, the Quarrymen, to play. Um, so when, so when um, John and Paul and Stu Sutcliffe, who was in the band, um, and George Harrison went to the club to talk to Mona to book the show, and um, they they booked the show, and then they all stayed to like paint and help do the club because they had not been there before mm-hmm. and actually um they so they painted like there's stars on the ceiling there's like stripes on the ceiling and john's girlfriend cynthia at the time painted a silhouette of john on the wall which is still there today it's like
0: oh that's cool really that's what i was gonna ask if their paintings were still there or if the their like, painting is still intact
1: there. yeah and actually john um carved his name into the wall and this is a weird according to the family lore Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is the story that when um Mona found out that John carved his name onto the wall (laughs) she didn't like it and apparently she gave him a crack on the head which sent his glasses flying off onto the floor (laughs) and then they broke and then they had to use um uh like whose it was it's it was um pete's grandmother's glasses like granny glasses <laughs> that was like <laughs> so he had to use that for the next month while he was getting new glasses but so that was like the first of john using you know those round spectacles yeah, the round his. granny glasses that he's so iconic like that was you know 1959 was the first time he sported those and they were really <laughs> you his know, friends kind of lame back then. The but head. like i know it's like a weird yeah. story but <laughs> i love <laughs> according that. to family lore um, but yeah, you but said it's all
0: still there. Is it still like a coffee club, or like can you go get coffee there?
1: So it's it's not. I mean, it's by appointment only. Like you can you can still go and get a tour of it, but you have to like contact
0: okay the family or so through
1: the website or something. Sure. So it's not open for tours like daily, like the other other stuff in Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um. So, but yeah, yeah, but John's yeah John's signature is still on the wall. Um, or his carving into the wall when we were in when I went to Liverpool I, I was like what this is still this and like all the painting was still there and they were like this is all original and I was like wait, wait, wait what I love
0: that so much because like he wasn't John Lennon then he was no, just a right. kid you yeah. know and so like I don't know about you. It feels like a very universal experience that like everyone had a friend who had a basement and you like write your name right. on the ceiling or something
1: <laughs> like. Yeah. I know you always hang out at your friends.
0: Yeah. Like you have someone's basement. One, one friend that has a basement that everyone like meets up at. And mm-hmm. usually if you look hard enough, you can find on the walls or the ceilings like where all the kids like wrote their names or something. Mm
1: hmm. Yeah. And I
0: love I love thinking about teenage John doing that. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. Like mean, <laughs> it's just them, a like... universal teenage experience. Yeah, right. Yeah. I think I don't know. That's it's very cool to like be in there. So um yeah, and it's still run by the family. So it's still run by Rogue Best, who um oh, good is uh half siblings to Pete and is Mona's son, but we're gonna come back to that because okay. <laughs> that's a big story. <laughs> um <laughs> we're going to come back to how rogue came into existence <laughs> um okay but, but anyway so the quarry men are playing the quarry men are playing so they played um from august 29th to october of 1959 every saturday for 15 shillings each which was like 75 cents and <gasps> the opening Great concert money. had 300 teenagers all in this little room with no air conditioning in august with people all dancing in this like low ceiling coal coal cellar (laughs) and it was just like crazy so like after the first night uh she bumped up their pay to um three pounds for the group which is like probably a lot and and so she got so anyway so her where was I going with this because there's so many ways it's like all these different bands played (laughs) there but oh yeah so um the Quarrymen actually stopped playing in October for another. Oh my God, I, you know how teenagers fight over dumb stuff. <laughs> here's yeah. another. Here's another dumb story, because um, yeah. So Ken Brown was in the Quarrymen. He was a guitarist, and he was in that first band that was supposed to play, um, the Les Stewart he Quartet. Was,
0: he was the one that skipped rehearsal to paint.
1: Yes. Yes. So okay. he was a big. He was like really into the Cosmo Club and helped paint it and really get mm-hmm. it going. So. Um, and then he was in the quarrymen. But one time he was sick and he um he had the flu, and Mona made him rest instead of play. He came, he showed up, he was gonna play, and she was like, No, go upstairs and lay down. Okay, so Ken was laying down with the flu upstairs. Mona made Ken Brown go lay down upstairs because he was sick, and the other members still played the gig. Um, and so after the gig they still they wanted his pay they wanted the whole share and mona didn't refuse that he she was very diplomatic about it like he's still in the band he should still get paid even though he's sick mm-hmm. and but the other members uh got really mad and they canceled the, they <laughs> canceled the rest oh, of their shows no. <laughs> so yeah they were like we're not playing like you're not doing what we want so we quit <laughs> so the yeah so that was the end of the quarrymen at the Cosba um in october of 1959 but you know she had other bands who could play um the blackjacks became the kind of resident group mm-hmm. there and that had pete best her son and that had um ken brown join that group because yeah <laughs> he was out of the quarrymen what was that one okay
0: that. i just feel bad for ken
1: i know right <laughs> he has a good book actually that i read in the past um so he's got some yeah i mean it all worked out for him <laughs> yeah like it all
0: works out it just seems like such a silly teenage boy fight oh it's like because he had totally. the flu
1: i know yeah so they're like they're, he didn't it's like play. Cut him some slack guys i don't know what the right decision is there but you know everyone's just being stubborn and whatever so um anyway so she had other bands jerry and the pacemakers mm-hmm. played there the searchers the remo four um so it was like a hot club for a while and so but in august of 1960 the beatles then went to um hamburg uh, mm-hmm. i guess they performed as the silver beatles they they had a lot of name changes at that time so pete yeah. went with, with them for that and was you know in the beatles up until 1962 uh 63 when they uh eventually fired him, fired him in 62 we're gonna go to yeah. that um But so this is interesting because Mona would um, rent the rooms out upstairs, and one of her boarders was Pete Pete's good friend Neil Aspinall, Um, and so um, Johnny and it was
0: just a friend of Pete. It wasn't like another kid in one of the bands or anything.
1: No, he was just a friend. He was in um, he was like in school to become an accountant or something i have that written down so he was living at the house
0: okay just Um, a buddy that kind of hung around mm -hmm, yeah was around the club
1: yes yeah so he was just a friend he wasn't a musician he became you know the beatles road manager and um like a executive at apple um eventually but this was like the introduction this was like him hanging around the Beatles and then uh-huh. got into all this humble beginnings yes right um but something happened I'm trying to research this but so he was like hanging around the house living in the house and Johnny and Mona were kind of separated at the time they were like they didn't get divorced but they like just were not together um mm-hmm. and because yeah, he was traveling days, a sure lot it was and, a lot harder to yeah officially and I, get yes. divorced. And he didn't want to, and he was not going to let her get divorced. <laughs> so um, but anyway, so at that time, um, they so she had an affair with Neil Aspinall, uh, oh, who is 17 years younger he than he was, her. yeah,
0: he was her son's friend.
1: Yes, I know. So this must have been a scandal ja. or like very secretive. Um and Yeah. So it was like crazy and, and not crazy, but just very secretive. And, um, so, but Johnny eventually knew about it and he gave Mona an ultimatum, like you have to choose me or him. And Mona chose Neil, (laughs) (laughs) this kid, they were, um, yeah, it was just like such a, I don't know, such a crazy thing that like, and then eventually, um, I don't know that must have been such a scandal and like then she crazy I mean by um, that
0: time she was basically doing what she wanted to do anyway like right she had the money she She didn't he didn't want her to do all these things Mm -hmm.
1: and she kept gambling and she was good at it and she so she was making money off of different ventures and um but yeah what like at that time oh yeah that nuts so it would be a scandal now oh yeah right (laughs) You know, having
0: an affair with your son's friend. How did did Pete find out about it? I'm sure, but I... Well, yeah, but you you had said when the husband found out, I didn't know if, like, it was still a secret then or if how...
1: Yeah, I don't know. This is the stuff I wish I could find. I wish someone, (laughs) like, wrote about this stuff and...
0: (laughs) <laughs> the gossip. i get it it's a, it's a scandal it's a scandal they want to keep like, it on the low but we're like yeah. give us all the
1: details <laughs> exactly yeah yeah um yeah and i think he so i don't know how i don't know what happened but when she became you know because she got pregnant with rogue um oh. and um but she like and, and, and like the people knew that like Johnny had moved out by then so they knew like something was happening but it mm-hmm. sounded like no one talked about like rumors were spreading but no one like said anything to them and it was like um i kind of like a like, people were probably talking, but that no one feels was talking very, to them or asking, like, Mona, like, what the heck is going on? Like,
0: <laughs> that feels very in line with the
1: times of, like, for mm, sure, we all kind of yeah. know
0: what's going on, but we're not gonna say it. We're and, like,
1: everyone knew who the keep it pleasant, or, you know, she still had to, like, um, when she had the baby, she still put John's name on it because they're still married. They were married. So, it's like yeah. that's why that's how that was his last name times. is best. And not Aspinall, but they were together. Like uh, Neil and Mona were together for about uh, six years, I think. But he was oh, you they know, were he like was a legitimate with the Beatles, couple. Too. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And not then, just like some crazy affair. Like they were together. They were together, but she wasn't divorced. So um, I think it was still kind of on the down low. Mm-hmm. And then he was touring with the Beatles. You know, the Beatles blew up after okay, yeah. 1962, 63. Yeah, yeah. So and he kept he was on the road with them um and he like drove their first van which she bought i think um and i don't know so it's just very a very cool like a very interesting (laughs) turn of events and um in that time but
0: yeah like i knew the story about pete best like how he Mm -hmm. was their original drummer and then they switched him out for ringo i never realized how interesting his mother was and how oh my gosh yeah how much she actually had a hand in like helping them be what they were yeah right because like that yeah
1: and she like during this time she was still like yeah she was still managing the beatles and they would all hang out at her house and um that she actually this is she, so she did was so that much for them
0: after they would still hang out even after the Pete Best
1: after she was like separated from her yeah like when she well was, after
0: they switched and, and put Ringo in the band
1: no this was before that okay so they got they got I um, didn't know if they were
0: still on friendly terms after that I know everything worked out in the end but
1: right yeah but yeah so let's take it up to 1962 because that was not a great year for Mona Best. Um, okay, so in in 1962 in January, um, Brian Epst- uh, <laughs> Epstein <laughs> um, started managing them. They had the management contract signed in January of 1962, yeah. and which she was good about. She knew that Brian was going to take them places, even though she like liked to you know, had the control over them before that she decided he would be a good manager.
0: He could provide things that she necessarily. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, And so that happened in January, 1962. Okay, fine. Mm -hmm. But her mother um, who had moved over from India to live with her um, died uh, of cancer in May of 1962. And so she decided to close the club in June of 62 with the Beatles as the last performers Uh, june 24th 1962 um and so that like that must have been a whirlwind but also she was pregnant at the time and she had rogue best in july of
0: 1962 Mm -hmm. and
1: she had um, a lot going on she had a lot going on yeah yeah and um so and then in august of 1962 that's when pete best got kicked out of the band so it was like you lose the band to new management your mom dies you have this baby that's like, you know, illegitimate is essentially like with all these people talking about you and mm-hmm. then your son gets kicked out of like the band and then you they close blow your up.
0: club and you and close your club they, and they they
1: you're like, yeah, just like all this stuff happened. So, oh, and man. she had yeah, done that's... so much for them that like, that I, they were definitely bitter for a while. <laughs> um, I can imagine. As you can imagine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. So one of her quotes, um, after, uh, after like one of the quotes from hearing that Pete was being kicked out of the band was that she, she said he, Pete had been their manager before Brian arrived. Um, I did the bookings and collected the money. I'd looked upon them as friends. I'd helped them so much, got them bookings, lending them money. I fed them when they were hungry. I was far more interested in them than their own parents. And she was so she was very oh, like, hurt. I did so much for them, and then they kick my son mm-hmm. out, and they don't, you know, and they like showed their, you know, they showed their appreciation in different ways. They still like send her presents, That's and they still they try because... to keep on good terms because yeah, it's like I mean, it's just it's, business, it's their right?
0: Careers, it's business. Mm-hmm. So if you want to need to go with the new direction, and they bring Ringo in, like it it sucks, but it also it's not that they were doing it maliciously. I don't believe, you yeah. Know? It no, just, right. It's just that like, sometimes how the world works. I know, I've, but ugh, I can imagine I, being very upset, ugh. especially with everything else going on with her.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ugh, and I just, I don't know. That must have been that must have been really hard. I mean, obviously for both of them, and then seeing their success mm-hmm. and like, but I don't know. I think they they eventually got to be on probably better terms, but. Um, I don't know. It just yeah. It just I sucks. actually,
0: I I was reading a book and it was um, it went over two different uh kind of stories in the music industry like that, and because uh, it was talking about like your perspective on things, and one story was, um, you know this guitarist with this band that was about to make it big, he. Like, right before they signed their contract, they basically kicked him out of the band and was like, okay, we're, we're going on without you. And uh, he he was like, well, I'm going to be better than them. And he ended up being the leader of the band Megadeth. Mm. But the band that he got kicked out of was Metallica. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and it was like his perspective was like he always kind of felt like the guy that got kicked out of Metallica, even though he had a very successful career. Right. Right. And then they told the Pete Best story about how he got kicked out right before the Beatles made it big. Mm -hmm. But Pete Best has come out, you know, talking about how his perspective was like, you know, that led to a string of events that eventually led to me meeting my wife. You know, like I wouldn't have Mm -hmm. had the same life I have now. And that like, it all worked out. And it was, it was talking about like the different perspectives you can have over a crappy situation. Right. (laughs) So it all, it all worked out. I think Pete's okay. (laughs) Yeah, I mean it has, but that seems very tumultuous. Like during while it's happening for everyone involved.
1: Yeah, while it's all happening and such Mm -hmm. big changes. I mean for everyone, and oh my gosh, can't imagine. But yeah, I found this quote by um, that rogue best said about Mona best just because she did so much for the Beatles. Obviously, um, more than I've even said here you know you can't even know how many phone calls and bookings and stuff that she did for them oh yeah i'm sure Um, in the
0: early days all of these little little things that add up to helping them
1: right yeah so he said um that she threw the pebble that made the ripple that caused the wave that shook the world that shook the world that's that's the quote and it's just (laughs) like she she was the start of it and that's i mean i know i like we talked about raymond uh, Raymond Jones in the other episode, but so, but she was the start of it. Like she created the Beatles. They're like, yeah, like Raymond Jones to them no up To there. ask for the record, yes. if she
0: hadn't have done what she did in the beginning. Exactly.
1: So it's kind of interesting. And she was so like iconic, like so her own person. Like I'm gonna make my yeah. own money. I'm gonna buy this house. She I'm gonna start like a, a club. Like very
0: <laughs> interesting, like self assured woman that's just gonna yeah. do what she wants to do. I yep. love that.
1: Just follows her heart. So. That's a story of Mona and, Best in a And nutshell. you said that
0: the family, like they still, they do tours and they still mm-hmm. actually, they're involved, you know, so it's not even like they got, I'm sure it felt at the time, like they got the short end of the stick, yeah. but it, it worked out in the end for everyone.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, it did.
0: Yeah. Where I they still get to, you know, profit and carry on and talk about their, you know, their part of the place, story. their place in the story, because it was a very important place. Yeah, even though like they couldn't stay the whole time, that was very instrumental to the beginnings. Yeah, I love that.
1: It was. So, there you go. I mean, there's so much more you can research. There's so many good books on the Cosma, and I can't even cover it all in in a podcast. But um, I just think it's. I just think she's so fascinating. <laughs> so
0: she really that. Like I said, I've never, I've only ever heard of Pete Best and just, mm-hmm. you know, the basics of what had happened. I did not realize how interesting Mona Best was and how seriously important she was to like getting them to where they were to so that they yeah. could get signed with Brian Epstein and, and be the Beatles because mm-hmm. that wouldn't have happened yeah. if she hadn't have put in the work in the beginning.
1: No, exactly. And, and yeah. believed in them. Believed in them. hmm Yeah. So... That's it.
0: I love that. There's behind the biggest band in history is a smart, interesting, self assured woman that exactly. made it happen. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: not a quote. Yeah, behind every great man, there's a great woman or something. Mm-hmm. Something like that. It's, it rains true. So cool. Well, so thank yeah. you for
0: sharing so, that. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the whole story.
0: <laughs> I love hearing about the people because obviously. We love the Beatles. We're yeah. Abbey Road on the River, we're a Beatles festival, we're there for them because we love them. Mm-hmm. But I really enjoy hearing about all of the people that were in their orbit. Mm-hmm. That they have their own interesting stories that you don't really hear about because it gets overshadowed cuz the Beatles are so big, you know, the four of them are so huge that you sometimes it gets lost even though very very important people were in their orbit making things happen. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I love
0: hearing about those stories and the people behind it.
1: Me too. Yeah, because it's not just them. We're all, we put all the credit on them. Yeah, yeah. No really
0: one, takes... no one gets anywhere alone.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Maybe Mona's the fifth Beatle. <laughs> <laughs> we should do an episode on all the Fifth Beatles. We maybe should like seven different episodes on all this. <laughs> all the Fifth Beatles. <laughs> uh, well. Anyway, well, you'll have yeah. to
0: wait for that one, listeners. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we'll see you next time on another episode of Something Will Happen.
0: Bye. Bye. <laughs>
1: Thanks for tuning into this episode of Something Will Happen. And remember that Abbey Road on the River is happening May 25th to 29th, 2023. You can find all the details, get your tickets, book your hotels, see all the bands that are coming at AROTR.com. And if you want to be featured on an upcoming episode, Send us an audio recording of yourself to AROTR18 at gmail.com. Telling us your favorite memory or show from a festival in the past or what you're most excited about this coming year. Keep the fun going all year long by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And we'll see you in May.
0: Something will happen.